Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program, available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right, welcome everybody back into the Go 24-7 podcast. My name is Bryce Kuhn. That is Glenn West, and it might sound a little bit different. Glenn officially said he was handing over the reins last week. So, Glenn, you, you get to take this off your table, off the table, off your shoulders, happily, and, uh, and give it to someone else. over the reins. <laughs> in a much better Wi-Fi-friendly uh, area now, too. So hopefully there's no connection issues. Hopefully we can get through. Uh, one of these pods and all these pods moving forward with uh, without a hiccup in that department. No, we're excited. We're excited to talk today. I mean, look, it's uh, we, we kind of mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, football season, the wrap-up last week. Uh, we're talking basketball day. Before we do, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure to hit that subscribe button, hit the like button, and comment down below kind of what you think about today's show and kind of your thoughts. We want that as well. If you're listening, make sure to follow, subscribe, and especially if you're on Apple Podcasts, leave that five-star review. We'd love to get in that as well. And as always, share it with your friends as well. And uh, if you've got some LSU friends at work that want to hear this, this is uh, going to be the place we're going to be talking. A lot of college hoops, and uh, we're going to get into some college baseball, obviously, here in the next couple months or so. But, Glenn, we talk on a Sunday. This comes out on a Monday after um, just a eh performance from, from the LSU men's basketball team on the road at Texas A&M. And I want to start off by saying this. You've covered this team a lot longer than I have. Uh, you know, I've kept my eye from afar. I knew the story coming into the season of what LSU was, kind of the challenge. Uh, but, man, after that first game against Arkansas, expectations, fans, you know, we, we, we kind of got sky high with that. But uh, this loss at Texas A&M, what did you leave the game watching feeling? You weren't there. But what did you, what did you leave just kind of feeling? I felt just kind of meh about after the performance uh, against the Aggies. Yeah, I mean, there are some games where you can kind of chalk up, you know, the the overall takeaway. It's just, man, it was just one of those you got to flush and, and move on. Um, but I, I didn't really feel that way just because a lot of the issues that cropped up in this A&M game were issues that we felt like uh, could really be a problem for this team throughout the entire season. Um, so you had a chance to watch him last night. I watched it this morning. I was had another prior uh, engagement that I had uh, committed to, so – uh, had a chance to watch it this morning, wrote a little bit of something about it on Sunday that I'm sure most of our subscribers saw. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that this was a, 
uh, a pretty telltale sign of just uh, a team and a program that, that still has a long ways to go in terms of its rebuilding process. I mean, they, they started off this thing just so tremendously well mm-hmm. uh, with that Arkansas win and even a really strong performance against Kentucky, which we can touch on a little bit later. But um, I thought last night was really kind of the first game where LSU got down big and they just didn't really have the the effort, the the um, capabilities of coming back in that game for, for several reasons. Um, one, I would say, you know, one of the biggest things that we – We'll continue to talk about this year is the rebounding. I think that sticks out first and foremost. Um, the Tigers were just obliterated on the boards last night, 38-27. Uh, and it really wasn't that close either. AM grabbed 12 offensive rebounds. They turned those into 18 second chance points. And uh, if you're an LSU team, you, you, you have to be able to be a little bit more competitive on the glass. I think that was probably the biggest takeaway that I had from last night. And, Look, Matt McMahon told media after the game that they have to figure that out. Like, they're mm-hmm. in terms of importance, I, I would say that is the biggest thing. Um, they still have not gotten the guards to really truly uh, help out KJ Williams, help out Derek Fountain. Um, you know, when he when he's in the game and not in foul trouble, Kendall Coleman's a pretty solid rebounder, but um, they they have to get help from the guards because they're just not a big team. They're just not a very big team, and a lot of the a lot of the groups that they're facing in SEC play uh, have veteran guys and have big bodies and um, you know teams that are, are a little bit more suited for uh, SEC play than than this one. And it's just one of those deals that she's going to have to live with. And you know they play a lot of three guard lineups. I mean Adam Miller, Justice Hill, or yeah Justice Hill, Justice Williams. Um, uh, Trey Hannibal, Cam Hayes, these aren't big guards. These are like yeah. six two, six three, in some cases six foot guards. Um and and you know, when when teams send out, you know, uh those guards on on transition and, and getting back on transition defense, that's an opportunity for those guards to come in and help the big guys. And that was something that Matt McMahon said last night, uh, which I really, really think is true and, and absolutely something that these guards need to act, actually start doing. Uh, if they hope to not give up so many of these second chance opportunities, so I would say the rebounding was first and foremost for me the the one area that I think LSU needs a quick fix in, and I'm just not sure if there is one. Yeah, the most telling stat for me, and I call these sometimes those uh, those uh, you know breaking point stats where you can kind of tell within a game if it's going to get out of hand, and this was one of them. The points in the paint was another one. Forty two yeah. points in the paint for Texas A and M, ten, and and I think. Um, this was something that was kind of cool for me coming from ACC coverage, you know, well acquainted with Buzz Williams and, and what he wants to do, um, you know. And so obviously the broadcast, I was, as I was watching the game, did a great job of kind of talking about how, look, A&M is not the biggest team. Like LSU had a size advantage at spots, but the way that they played uh, allowed them the scrappiness. Glenn, when you went back and watched, and this is something I kind of I walked away from, was it felt like A&M punched LSU in the mouth early. And LSU never really regained the footing. By the time they did, the Aggies were flying, turning defense into offense, playing this physical brand of basketball. Um, you know, I was. In, I, I will say this because I don't want to dog on it too much. I think yeah. they answered in the second half. I think they were, but it was just one of those things where they had been punched too much to where you know A and M kind of had that. Uh, and look, like you said, and I, I detailed it in, in the quick recap that kind of that instant reaction was, and you know this, the SEC will expose you. 
If you can't play great interior defense, can't play, uh, can't rebound with the best of them, it'll expose you real quick. And so that is a worry. Uh, and so I know it kind of goes into this, and you said you don't know. I mean, if you – I don't know. I want to say if, not if you were Coach McMahon, because who knows, but what would you do? I mean, where, where can a quick fix come from in this situation? Yeah, so I, I would say that the points in the paint um, was, was certainly a, a huge point of emphasis in this game. I mean, coming in, uh, A&M was one of the more physical teams really in the conference at being able to get into the paint and create – uh, efficient shots at the rim and, and really turn those into really great offense. But um, the problem was that they weren't converting when they got to the rim, which is actually yeah. a problem that LSU's had themselves. So um, the fact that they were able to have such an efficient night, I think they went 17 of 19 on layups last night. Um, that's just really not much, uh, you know, finesse or penetration in terms of LSU's defense at the rim. They just were not uh, very physical at that area. And um, so that that was a problem. And then on LSU's end, I thought that, you know, look, they went eight for 27 on their twos, um, really just struggled to get to the basket and finish at the basket. Um, that's been a recurring theme for this team, um, you know, really a lot during the season. And, um, you know, they, they I thought they had started to find some answers in, in, in SEC play. Um, they were a little bit more consistent in that Arkansas and in that Kentucky game at finishing those those baskets in the paint. Um, but there's there's still work to be done there. I mean, obviously, with the A&M performance, I think, you know, you've got to really go back to the drawing board and see what you're drawing up. And um, I, I just think that, you know, look, we've talked about it already, but size is just such a problem for this team right now. Mm-hmm. Um, they just don't have a lot of it. Uh, and so they, yeah, they have to be able to um, – out scheme these SEC teams offensively, yeah. and they just haven't been able to do it um, consistently yet. Um, they have some really talented guards. I think they have some talented players, um, but you just got to be able to to draw up plays and be able to scheme them up uh, for LSU in terms of just creating good shots. And they haven't done that as consistently this year. But you started to see them do it in the half court against Kentucky. I thought it was probably one of their best half court games of the season earlier this week against Kentucky and, you know, this year, this week, and then to kind of close out the weekend here, they just really fell out of off a crater. I mean, I thought they just, they were turning the ball over left and right. They had some really silly mistakes that, you know, led to really great opportunities for Texas A&M and you can clean those things up. I mean, stupid turnovers are stuff that you can really uh, kind of fix uh, with, with, uh, with just more discipline and more, uh, you know, just more knowledge of what you're doing offensively. But, yeah, I, I think that this, these are two issues. I mean, points in the paint, rebounding, you can throw turnovers in there as well. Um, those are all three big, big, big stats that lead to mm-hmm. wins and losses in the SEC. And, you know, when LSU's playing in so many of these tight games uh, down the stretch, you, you'd hope that they start correcting some of those uh, some of those issues. Yeah, you hope they start correcting some of those issues. And I think – one of the things color analyst last night was Damian Fishback, and he talked about this. It was the will of Texas A&M. They just kind of wanted it, and they fed off the crowd too on a couple of those plays. Uh, one thing that stood out to me offensively, we kind of switch it over uh, with LSU, was I think you have to give Texas A&M credit. They had a game plan to essentially push LSU as far out into the half court as they could, and they did that. Uh, I remember there was uh, a time period where ESPN put up a graphic that said, that LSU didn't – their average time they finally got into their offensive set was around the 16-15 second mark in the shot clock. So they were having to work really hard to even get to their side of the floor. 
Uh, and it begs the question. Look, we, we saw in the game against Kentucky, uh, you know, we could talk about the Oscar Sheway. I don't think a lot of fans want to talk anymore about that, especially after seeing what the team in Tuscaloosa did to him uh, yesterday. To me, there has to be a third option, Glenn. Uh, we know what K.J. Williams can do, but the problem with it is, is look, K.J. Williams is a great player, but the SEC has good enough coaches and good enough athletes that they're going to be able to scheme to try to limit him, not completely shut him down, because he still had a, you know, an efficient, solid night. It just wasn't what we've seen. Uh, Trey Hannibal had five fouls, got to the line nine times, but there has to be a third option, and I think we all know, uh, and there's a little bit of frustration in the live thread I could see from some fans, and it's, you know, guys like Adam Miller, is he going to find his stroke from the outside? Um, you know, Cam Hayes showed a little bit to be able to shoot uh, kind of the mid-range jumper and a little bit from beyond the arc, but uh, do you kind of agree with me there? I mean, there has to be a third option for this LSU offense. Yeah, I, I think there needs to be more consistency there. I, I, I'm not sure that there needs to be a true just this guy needs mm-hmm. to be your number three option um, because I think one of the strengths of this team so far uh, has been uh, the, the, the the players' abilities. It seems like there's a different guy stepping up each night. You know, uh, Cam Hayes was like that a couple weeks ago uh, to kind of close out non-conference play. That's what got him into the starting lineup. It's been Trey Hannibal in the first two SEC games. He's really stepped up as a, as a nice uh, secondary option to K.J. Williams. Um, Adam Miller started out the, the, the year coming out like gangbusters with his three-point shooting, and now he's really, I think, slowly starting to find it again. He hit five triples uh, against, uh, against uh, A&M last night. He hit, I want to say, four or five more against Kentucky. So mm-hmm. I think he's starting to shoot his way back into some confidence here. Um, that he can be a reliable option. But I'm much more just interested in how they create uh, offense for their players. I think that they really started to show some great signs of that in the in the Kentucky game. And um, I, I just, you know, whether it's getting Adam Miller off of screens and, and having him in catch-and-shoot situations uh, as opposed to him drip off the dribble. And uh, I, I just think that there's a lot of options there on the perimeter for LSU to continue to grow. I think kind of one of the disappointments recently has been Justice Hill. I think you mm-hmm. really expected him to take on a, a much more uh, crucial offensive load than he's been able to provide so far. Uh, so maybe if they can get him going a little bit, that then that, that might open some things up offensively. But, um, yeah, look, I think it's just – I'm not I'm much less concerned about there being a true third option as I am about just the flow of the offense, because the flow yeah. of the offense, um, especially in college, it's so induced and, and conducive to success when you have guys who can hit shots from a variety of, in a variety of ways. And so, you know, for Trey Hannibal, that's taking it to the basket and kicking out to guys. Uh, for a guy like Adam Miller, it's being able to catch and shoot. For Cam Hayes, he's a very ISO-oriented player. He can get to his spots and hit shots. Um you've got to put those guys into the positions where they're really comfortable and where they can really create for themselves. And uh, LSU's done a really nice job of that in terms of uh, on a possession by possession basis, but not like a consistently great scheme throughout the entire game of an offense uh, from, from an offensive perspective. And I think that's really where they have to grow. I think they have, you know, they, they, they had, I think of their 16 makes last night, 11 were assisted on. That's mm-hmm. that's really good uh, in terms of uh, ball movement. It's a good sign in terms of how they're getting their guys open on those possessions. 
Um, but they're just too many empty, empty possessions, you know, 17 and 49 from the field. They went, you know, 35% from the field. And it's just, there's, you know, there's, there's, there's optimism and there's hope in there for how they're creating on those possessions where they do have some success, but they just need to be more consistent about it going forward. And look, I think too, from a fan's perspective and watching this team, it's real easy to get down about what happened last night. It was a disappointing showing. I mean, look, you wanted to go on the road. It was a chance to get a really good win against a tough team. Uh, but if you go back and you look at examples of what LSU's done this year, most recently, obviously, the Arkansas game at spurts and, and at times during Kentucky, you know this team has the capability to do that. Like you said, it's just being able to do it consistently. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The farmer's dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Uh, kind of as we take a, you know, a look ahead here, uh, you know, obviously on Tuesday, they're going to come back home. Maybe, maybe Glenn, I don't know about you, but when I played sports, I didn't even, first off, I never played to the level of this, but I will say when I played sports, it felt good to sleep in my own bed. And so yeah. you get to play a home game that may change things a little bit. The first, uh, you know, kind of one of the first kind of home games that you're going to get to play, uh, you know, since playing Arkansas, it's been a, quite a while once they finally get there on the 10th. Uh, they play Florida, and this is a Florida team that is one and two in conference play. Uh, you know, we're not going to do a kind of a full preview of this, but this is a Gator team that, under new leadership, uh, they knocked off Georgia on Saturday. They came from behind, actually. Georgia was on the road. Um, you know, and I'll say this the SEC is really good this year. I mean, just the, the elevation of some teams kind of out of the cellar, out of the basement, uh, Georgia being one of those. But they come from behind against uh, Georgia, they win that game. Look, they've played this Texas A&M team, you know, and, and they said the same thing. This is one of the more physical teams that they've played. And so, uh, you know, when you look at this Gator team on Tuesday uh, at home, and it's what I'm sure is, you know, going to be a good crowd on hand. Uh, I don't think students are back yet, Glenn. You would know that better than I would. No. So students not back, but I'm still sure it's going to be a good crowd. I mean, what, what are you looking for in this game? I and mean, what are some things that kind of need to check the box uh, for this to kind of, you know, go LSU's way? Yeah, well, I think first and foremost, um, Florida returns Colin Castleton. It was a, yeah. a really big uh, center who's been a thorn in LSU's side now for a couple years. They just haven't had many answers for him when they played him in the past. Um, and he uh, has only gotten better, as you would expect, in, in time in, in the SEC. He's averaging a double-double. He's uh, a really, really solid finisher around the rim. He plays 30 minutes a game. He's shooting, I think – uh, like around 50 or 60 percent on his twos this year. Uh, he's he's just been really consistent for Florida, a guy that I think LSU is going to have some trouble with if they don't kind of get this rebounding under control a little bit better. Um, they also have a former LSU Tiger, uh, Alex Fudge, 
who entered the portal and, and, and wound, found his way over to Florida in the offseason. Uh, he's another guy who uh, is a high flyer. I mean, if LSU mm-hmm. fans remember from last year, you know, this is a guy who you saw the potential in him. And he's starting to fulfill it, I think, a little bit here in Georgia, shooting about 45% from the field, uh, 38% from three-point range, um, and really is an athletic, athletic, athletic forward who is going to have a lot of opportunities, I think, to have some success against LSU if they're not careful. Um, really, really solid player. And so there are a couple of mismatches here, I think, if you're LSU, that you're going to have to really exploit. Florida's not a really great – uh, three-point shooting team, so you're going to have to really want want to keep them on the outside, keep them on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're they're just there's just a lot of different areas here where I think LSU is going to have to have uh, an advantage. And you know, one of the things that I've, I've been most impressed with uh, for LSU throughout the entire season um, has just been their relentless, you know, attacking of the rim. I mean, they they mm-hmm. they they're a team that likes to get at the rim. Uh, whether it's Hannibal, whether it's you know KJ Williams, they just got to figure it out around the rim to be more consistent and more efficient that way. Um, you know they've 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 found some things from three point range. I think in the in these first couple SEC games, they have some guys that are a little bit more confident in their strokes. It looks like over these last couple of games, um, but for them to really fulfill their potential, they're going to have to be really consistent um, at getting to the rim, finishing around the rim, hitting their two point shots. Uh, and, and I think that this is a matchup here where LSU, uh, if they can get a hold of Castleton, I think that's going to be a really big if. Um, but if they can get a hold of him a little bit, maybe get him into some foul trouble. He has been prone to getting into foul trouble in his career. Um, but if you can get him in early foul trouble and really uh, get K.J. Williams involved early, uh, I think this is a game that LSU can absolutely win at home. They, they've got a great opportunity here to kind of wipe the slate clean, get back to 500. Uh, and I think this is a good matchup for him. Yeah, I like what you talked about with Castleton. I mean, it feels like this guy's been playing college basketball. He's one of those guys that you feel like has been playing in the league for like 10 years. Because uh, yeah. every single year when you see the preview magazines come out, you see Colin Castleton in there uh, for the Gators. I think what you talked about and, and something I'll be looking for um, – you know, and, and some fans threw this on the board was the energy. And how do you match the energy? And, and look, there should be no excuse for this. You're not going to have to manufacture it. You're going to be at home. Uh, you should be able to feed off the energy of the crowd. How do you – who throws the first punch? And if you get punched in this game first, and look, that can happen. I mean, Castleton, look, when they feed him down low, he, he can be a beast at times. But how do you step back up and do that? That is going to be something that's interesting to me. Yeah, I agree. I think that there's, you know, there's something to be able to come back at home after two two straight games on the road. And, yeah, like you said, just being able to, to stick around your own floor and get to practice in your own court and your own gym. Um, you know, I, I think there's something to that. And, look, LSU, like we said, they, they've, they've played pretty well at home this year. Um, they've had some moments against these non-conference teams where maybe they haven't done it as consistently. And I think that's – really the name of the game here for LSU is just consistency. Mm-hmm. And when you have so many new guys on a team that you're trying to really uh, connect, get connected and, and, and find the right rotations, it can be difficult. I mean, we've seen it, um, you know, throughout this entire season, how they've been jumbling with their lineups. They've been really mixing and matching different players early in the year. And it sounds like they've figured out some, some rotations that they can be comfortable with. Um, but if you get out of those rotations because of foul trouble, uh, then you're really relying on, on, on a lot of 
mishap and a lot of uh, unknowing in terms of what yeah. you have to throw out there. And so um, LSU just isn't a very deep team right now. I think ideally McMahon would like to go eight deep, mm-hmm. maybe nine if he's lucky. But um, there's there's a handful of players that he trusts, and then there's a handful of players that I think he trusts but just haven't shown it consistently yet. And I think that's really where this team's got to grow is just continuing to build camaraderie amongst each other in, in, in you know, on offense. Um, you know, defense has been a strength of this group. But, you know, when you're giving up 17 to 19 layups to A&M, uh, you've really got to start and reevaluate things there as well. So there's, there's a lot of things that I think, uh, you know, can benefit from returning home. Um, but I, I, I'm just like of the opinion that consistency has got to be at the forefront here uh, for LSU as they enter this game. Yeah, it's going to be a big game and big opportunity, especially uh, when you see what awaits them in the weekend going to Tuscaloosa, which I think when, you know, uh, SEC preseason rankings came They're out. The and then, SEC oh, team. man. It's Alabama's yeah. really, really good. Yeah, I mean they're they're really good, and going to their place is going to be tough. So, uh, what I will say is you got to take care of business Tuesday. We can't start looking towards uh, Saturday until we get through Tuesday. But uh, like we talked about earlier, I mean, look, the SEC will expose you if you're not physical enough and if you can't rebound, and so those things do need to be corrected um, as well. Glenn, any kind of final thoughts on uh, Florida or Alabama in your sense? I mean, I know Alabama's still a little bit farther away. I know we're going to have some great content on the site, kind of leading up into the weekend against that matchup. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think that, you know, look, the biggest thing here is just trying to figure out what guys are great, uh, what, what what shots are good for guys in certain spots. And so for LSU, they've, they've figured out some of this offensively already, but um, they, they just need more consistency out of these guys. I think that's just the real honest truth is that, um, you know, there, there's only so much scheming and, and offensive, uh, you know, drawing up of plays that you can do before guys just have to go out there and, and hit shots. And I thought, yeah. you know, one of the things that Matt McMahon said last night was he thought the ball movement was really solid early in the game, but they got away from it because guys just weren't hitting shots. And so um, when you're not hitting shots, it kind of forces you to, I think, be a little bit more clinched up, a little bit more tense. Yeah. And, and, and I think there just needs to be a little bit more – uh, free flowing from this from this LSU offense in terms of just how they operate. Um, you know they've they've done a nice job, I think, of creating looks for guys like KJ Williams. I'd like to see him get more more shot opportunities in this uh, in this next week's upcoming games. Um, you know when he's only shooting six times a game, uh, you're you're going to be really really in some trouble there. And so um, yeah, I, I just think that there's a lot of growth that still needs to happen with this team. Um, doesn't take away from the start. I think, look, you, you're mm-hmm. in these first three games. Um, you, you, you've you kind of established yourself as a, a kind of gritty team that you don't really know what to expect. And that can be kind of in your favor here as you move along uh, conference play. So there, I think there's still a lot to be looking forward to with this group. Uh, but certainly there are some areas that they're going to have to scheme around and some areas that uh, they're going to have to certainly improve on as the a conference schedule goes along. Yeah, and look, if we're realistic about kind of, you know, what we saw in the, in the preseason and kind of what the conversation was, this is kind of where we thought this team would be. I mean, look, they're going to beat some teams that you think, oh, wow, that's they have no business beating this team, and then lose some games where you kind of scratch your head. So as they grow in McMahon's first year, it's going to be a lot of exciting uh, to watch that. But uh, Glenn, appreciate you joining, man, uh, talking some hoops. It's full swing, full swing of hoops, and uh, I know we got a lot of exciting stuff um, uh, coming up here on, on the site as well. 
yeah and look we'll be back with more uh pods you know we're just gonna uh we're gonna keep cranking them out we have bryce on here for a reason he's gonna be working hard on these <laughs> pods and trying to grow them out and, and trying to grow out that side of things here with the network and video side uh, of our go 247 site so certainly there's a lot i think that you guys have to look forward to in the coming weeks and months uh, obviously with recruiting kind of heating up again before the final signing period we'll have plenty of content and coverage on that as well and uh, kind of looking ahead to what you know this spring holds for Brian Kelly and company as well. Yeah, and that's a good reminder as we kind of wrap up. If you're just coming across this on YouTube or on a podcast feed or someone sent it to you, make sure you want to get your VIP subscription to go 24-7. A lot of great stuff happening over there. Uh, I've only been here a week, but, man, we have a great team uh, pumping out some content. Uh, a lot of great stuff happening, uh, you know, with, with the future of the football program, basketball. And, man uh, – Look, you weren't joking, Glenn. When when I was talking about coming on board, you said, hey, look, we've got this baseball thread that has been going on. And listen, the fans are ready for baseball season, so I'm excited to talk about that as well and uh, hopefully get out to see some uh, some Tigers in action as well. But look, make sure to subscribe to the channel if you're watching on YouTube. Hit that like button and hit that notification bell right down there below. All that does is let you know when the next video is uh, up and sends it right into your email or wherever you may be getting those notifications. Make sure to head to that site as well. If you're on the boards already, man, keep the conversation flowing. We've had some great conversations this week. Uh, we'll catch you next time, and we'll be talking uh, maybe some recruiting next time we hop on the podcast, and we'll get the always great Sunny Ship as well. Thanks so much for tuning in. He is Glenn West. I'm Bryce Kuhn. We'll see you next time. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.